Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Knoxville, Tennessee is a lot of things. It is the scruffy city, it is the maker city, and of course, it is big orange volunteer country. But it's time for a new question, and that is, is Knoxville ready to become a soccer town? And so we've talked a lot about, on this podcast, the downtown Knoxville Stadium that is coming just east of the old city, the multi-use stadium that's going to host concerts and is going to host baseball and is going to host community events. And one thing that hasn't been talked about much, and it's a huge thing, is it's going to host soccer as well. At least that's in the plans. And one Knoxville SC has moved up to the professional ranks. And it's time to ask, is it a soccer town? Or is Knoxville ready to be a soccer town? Because a lot of people are excited, especially as the team moves this year to a full-time schedule with a full-time home at Regal Soccer Stadium on UT's campus. And so... I appeared recently on the Knox Soccer Podcast with Patrick Teasdale and Brian Canaver. And now, Brian Canaver and Patrick Teasdale are going to appear here on the Scruffy Stuff in just a few short moments, which is very exciting. But before we get started, I should remind everyone who I am. I am Ryan Willis, downtown reporter at Knox News, co-host of the Scruffy Stuff Podcast, although it'll just be me today. And the Scruffy Stuff Podcast is brought to you by KnoxNews.com, where you can find everything we discuss here on the show and a whole lot more. Knox News relies on support from readers and listeners to provide you compelling stories from Knoxville and across East Tennessee. Subscribers get an all-access pass to all of our premium exclusive content. And to become a subscriber, it's easy. Just visit KnoxNews.com slash subscribe to see our latest offer and sign up today. So here it is. My conversation with Patrick Teasdale and Brian Canaver, hosts of the Knox Soccer Podcast. I remember, you know, I've been here five years now in Knoxville. And I remember about five years ago when I moved here, there was a debate going on about whether Knoxville was a still a football town or if it was a basketball town. Because there was just like, you know, so much struggle going on with the football program and you know, you fast forward five years and you have UT baseball, basketball, football are all killing it. You have a minor league baseball team coming to downtown Knoxville. And of course you have one Knoxville. Um, and so, you know, the question that I hope to answer by the end of the podcast is, is Knoxville a um, soccer town now? But I was just wondering, um, first to start out, what your thoughts are about how soccer fits into what seems like a growing sports scene here in Knoxville I mean I know it's got a lot of history behind it but it's a really exciting time and for soccer to be coming into the mix I mean how do you just feel like that fits into the greater athletic scene we have here Brian well the question that you are trying to answer in this episode is one that Patty and I ask all of our guests whenever we get them on our podcast and that's is Knoxville a soccer town and we believe that it is 
Uh, I'm, I'm not from Knoxville originally. I'm from uh, Bayonne, New Jersey, the armpit of the armpit of America. <laughs> but I grew up in professional sports country because I'm from, you know, the, the land of the New York Giants, the New York Jets. Uh, I was a Yankees fan growing up. My mom and my brother were Mets fans. We also had the New Jersey Nets for a really long time, uh, 15 minutes down the road. And the New York Red Bulls, who were initially the, the Metro Stars, and, and now they're the Red Bulls. They play in the MLS. And so for me, it always made sense to have this uh, menagerie of sports available to the sports fan. I moved to Knoxville. I learned to fall in love with college sports here back home. Unless you went to like Seton Hall or Rutgers, you really didn't follow it. It wasn't a statewide obsession like it is in Knoxville. Um, Soccer has always been right underneath the surface. And I... I arrived here in 2011, and I remember I would go out from park to park, driving around, looking for brown faces kicking around a soccer ball, because that's what I experienced growing up in, a, in an immigrant town in, in Hudson County. And I couldn't find them, and then I, I walked into the indoor soccer arenas of Knoxville, and I mean, it could have been Rio de Janeiro. Like, it was, it was this world that I had been seeking and craving to find I discovered it and so once the opportunity came for for pro soccer to be here in Knoxville it made so much sense to me like these people have been here waiting at the door and then and then the door finally opened so I think that the soccer is going to fit really neatly in especially with the way that uh, one Knoxville our first professional club has branded itself really embracing the city, using some of those colors that we all know and cherish because of college sports here. You know, the, the UT Orange, which is ubiquitous in Knoxville and how that's been represented by the, by the team. I think, I think soccer definitely has a home here. Yeah. Well, it seems like um, soccer specifically, I mean, with MLS, and I might be wrong, I don't follow it as closely as I do other sports, but it seems like there's been a boost in just fandom in recent years. I know there's been some teams added. I'm from uh, Statesville, North Carolina, originally near Charlotte, and I know I have a lot of friends back home who are just all in on uh, Charlotte football, Charlotte soccer right now. And so, obviously, we're coming fresh off the Super Bowl, and, you know, there's no denying that's like American, American football, right? It's America's sport. But you mentioned soccer's always been there right under the surface. Um, do you feel like it's mainstream enough at the moment right now for the greater city to get invested in it does it have to be and if the answer is no if it's still under the surface how do you go about getting the city invested and i think that the team has done a great job of just getting the messaging out there and having these community events and stuff but how do you take that a step further especially now with the team going pro to get everybody involved from my perspective patrick's perspective it is definitely right under the surface but it's a incredible time to be a soccer fan or soon to be soccer fan or a new soccer fan because of what you referenced before MLS uh, continuing to expand and then the trickle down effect of prominent communities, prominent business people in communities realizing, Hey, there is, there is soccer right underneath the surface. And this is a beautiful time to have, have professional soccer in these, small southern renaissance towns knoxville being one of them alabama chattan you know uh, birmingham chattanooga um, nashville being bigger and bigger it's it's the perfect time for that um so you you see the soccer right underneath you see the soccer you establish a team and you see that the community can already embrace it uh it's a wonderful time to be a soccer fan myself coming from chattanooga Chattanooga has had that soccer community, 
with Chattanooga FC. After graduating from college, I was down in Chattanooga as a young professional, and I saw that where it's like they had a they had a team. They would pack out Finley Stadium. Um, it was a lot of fun just to be there. It has this downtown kind of culture and feel. With Chattanooga not being a huge uh, football town, I mean, it's still a UT volunteer, you know. Right, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but just to see all the young professionals as well as families, a huge soccer community in Chattanooga from the Readout Soccer Complex. So for them to have an outlet for them to cheer on higher tier soccer uh, is incredible. So it totally makes sense that Knoxville would follow in the same footsteps. So when one Knox came to town and they're like, this is what I, this is what we want to do. I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like I'm here. It's, it's interesting too. Cause one thing that I always talk about and you know, I'm not a sports writer, but there's occasionally some stuff that I write about or, or talk about here on the show crosses over into sports. And, you know, I try to remind myself that, um, not everybody, even in football that watches a football game and goes to Neyland stadium, you know, a small percentage of them know every single player, know every single rule of the game. It really is that fan experience that everybody's there for. And I think that's universal across all sports, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I've called myself a soccer evangelist before in Knoxville. <laughs> right. uh, in 2015, I wrote a story for the Knoxville Mercury, which is now defunct, called um, Brotherhood of the Turf. And it was about the indoor soccer communities of Knoxville. And for that story, I did research about the semi-pro teams that had previously existed here because Knoxville did have a team in the 90s, the Knoxville Impact or the Deodora Impact. It's had really high-level club, youth club teams here. We still have them. FC Alliance uh, is one of two teams in the state or one of two clubs in the state that has both their boys and girls playing at the highest level of competitive youth soccer. Um, we had the Emerald Four Soccer Club, which played in the NP- NPSL. The NPSL is like the amateur fourth division uh, for, for soccer fans. We now have 865 Alliance, which is an FC Alliance affiliate, also playing in that division. Um, so I think uh, it, it's there. I am obviously uh, an extremely passionate person, so is Patty. So we're going to promote it uh, as best we can. But if you just look at some of the numbers and statistics from from the MLS, we had uh, Chris Ivey, who writes for, uh, or he writes about National SC. He shared the statistic last year, which was for a time, three of the top four attendances in the MLS were all in the South. And so that was Nashville SC, Atlanta United, um, Charlotte. People were packing out stadiums to come watch it. I don't know that it could or would ever compete with the popularity or the attendance figures of football, American football. Um, one Knoxville is going to be playing at Regal Soccer Stadium, which has a capacity of 3,000 people, right? So in terms of just raw numbers, I don't think it'll compare. But I've said this before, and I'll, I'll repeat it. People could talk to me about the atmosphere at Neyland Stadium all day long. You go and watch a professional soccer match. Maybe not here yet, but my, my origin is in Argentina. You go to any single league game on a Wednesday afternoon work week and you watch the people twirling their flags and singing their songs and jumping up and down chanting, there's nothing that compares to that. Well, that goes right into my next question because, and, and just, uh, you know, one thing about, you know, the point that you just made too is that, you know, it's it, uh, an amateur soccer game or a club soccer game or a semi-pro. I mean, I feel like almost you have to really understand the sport to get involved because there's not that atmosphere there that like a, that a professional team does. But if you throw a team, like you mentioned Charlotte, like they were just starting out. Will, will, will Charlotte actually receive it like they do the Panthers? Well, they're playing in Panther Stadium. There's going to be that atmosphere there. And so I think, you know, just 
immersing people in that atmosphere is enough to get people involved sometimes. And in in the case of One Knoxville, they have this incredible supporters group, uh, the the Scruffs, who have been really vocal. That's been organized by Kevin Carnes and his wife Susan, Dakota Booth. And I'm in the Discord chat, which anybody can join the Discord for One Knoxville fans. And the Scruffs are constantly talking about what songs they're going to be singing. They're going through the selection process right now. They're coming up with custom songs for each player. You just don't see that in American sports. You don't yeah. see that in college football. You don't see that in, in the NBA. And here in soccer, like you're going to listen to these to these fans. It might be worth it for somebody who's not a soccer fan just to show up and hear people singing these songs come you know March 17th, March 18th, when One Knoxville opens its season. One Knoxville did a wonderful job also to do plenty of research for Knoxville and to kind of tap into that market and found that, yes, there are diehard volunteer football and basketball fans, but also have found that those fans will also support soccer. Like Knoxville is not just a UT sports town. It is a sports town. And so the more sports, the better, uh, the, the more bigger professional, the better. So that's where one Knox came into a, uh, amateur league and now moving up to a pro league. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful time to be in Knoxville and to be a sports fan. So aside from going to uh, One Knox games, if you're if you're a soccer fan, if you're interested in the sport, where do you go to hang out? Because this is a downtown podcast. I know we talk a lot about uh, you know on here about businesses and you know what's the best place to go to for this or this. I, I mean, for soccer, I, I feel like Alliance is one that I've seen a lot, but I imagine it's grown beyond Alliance. That was when I first moved here. That was like the place. But where are some other places? The de facto space is Soccer Taco. It has it in its name. You go there. There's always a soccer game on. It might not be live, <laughs> but there's soccer there. Right. So the, that, the, they went hard in the aesthetic. But yes, a handful of the bars. Actually, probably every um, microbrewery uh, has a supporter club that they support. So Alliance is a great one. Uh, actually, Brian can rattle them off. We just had a podcast episode about this. So yeah, uh, you know, Alliance, you walk into Alliance now and you'll see the big one Knoxville flag. They, they really were the first bar that opened its doors to English Premier League soccer fans. And so a lot of American soccer fans, especially like in, in markets like Knoxville, which didn't have a pro team previously, they're not watching Major League Soccer, which is the first division of professional soccer in the U.S. They're watching the English Premier League. And so Alliance, Adam, and, and the Chris's over there have done an incredible job of welcoming people. I am um, sadly and depressingly enough a, an Everton supporter, and that's where our group tends to meet if we go out and watch soccer. Why is it depressing, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Everton is so uh, – oh, they're so bad to watch. Um but, um, you know, there's tons of supporters group that meet there at Alliance. A lot of them have spread out. So Patrick and I just did an episode with the English Premier League supporters groups from Manchester United, Manchester City, and Arsenal. And, um, you know, there's now soccer being watched at Union Place in West Knoxville. And that's a place that's owned by Hemant Sharma, who's a 
lady ball soccer coach. He's coached at Maribel College, at Chattanooga. Uh, he was a professional soccer goalie for many years. That place is awesome, by the way. That is like a little hidden oasis oh, over there. I, I, so I met with uh, Hemont. You know, Hemont and I go ba- way back. We're, we're both from New Jersey, and we're both involved in soccer. Okay. And he toured me around. And so now the Arsenal supporters group goes there. Uh, Manchester City supporters group is at uh, Zool. Um, then you've got Manchester United at Knox Brew Hub. Liverpool's at Fins, which is all the way out. And we're, we're not going to talk about Liverpool. The, uh, bank, like the, the old jazz club out there? Yeah, in okay. they're way out west. Uh, West Ham's at the Corner Lounge, Chelsea's at Central Flats and Taps, um, you know, Fanatic Brewing, which is really close to where we are right now in downtown Knoxville. I actually used to play soccer with Marty Vellis, the owner of Fanatic. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, I coached his daughter, Zoe, who's now a, a student at UT, and Fanatic Brewing is one of one Knoxville's sponsors. If you play recreational soccer in the Knox Metro Soccer League Fanatics one of the sponsors and so the the name is right there on the shirt and so you're seeing that promotion there so That's awesome. any of those bars that we just named you show up there on a Saturday morning um, you're going to you're going to see some some English Premier League soccer you know, I, I mentioned, you know, the team has done a great job with, um, you know, getting announcements and trying to get that community support. And y'all have done a great job with with chronicling, um, you know, this journey to to pro soccer. But for those who maybe aren't familiar or don't realize how big of a deal this is, can you just put into perspective what this move actually means? I mean, it, uh, you know, in terms of schedule, in terms of the, the level of talent that's going to be involved on the field and just in terms of everything, how big of a jump this is for for one Knox. I can at least speak to this past season where One Knox has been the USL2, which is an amateur league, which is a summer league for college students is what it truly is. College students are playing soccer at their, at their college and they need, a lot of them are internationals and need a, a league to play in uh, to stay stateside. And so this is the perfect space for that. And so the season was three months long, jam-packed playing on weird, funny turfs, high school fields, half turf, half grass. Um, it was just any soccer all the time. Now we are USL1, which is a professional league. It is a nationwide league, and it is a normal sports season. So it's going from March into a, all the way to October, a majority of them being played on the weekends like a normal sports schedule. In this, we do have professional athletes. So these are players that have played in the USA soccer pyramid, um, and they are professionals. For for a lot of people who aren't familiar with the pyramid, I'll break it down really quick, and then I just want to mention some of the some of the players and some of the games that they'll be playing. And so, right at the very top, you have MLS, which is where Nashville plays, where right. Charlotte and Atlanta United play. Then right below it, you have the USL Championship, which is where Memphis Nine Hundred One plays. And then that third level of professional soccer is is USL League One. There's also NISA, uh, which is where Chattanooga FC plays. And so USL One has players who are making a full-time salary. This is their full-time job. Like Patty mentioned, the season goes from uh, mid-March to mid-October. They are training right now. You're going to see them out and about. The quality of player that One Knoxville has brought in there's a couple of players that they've actually recruited away from some really big teams last year. And so good. 
Uh, yeah. Let's get, get them all. Yeah, so you could actually go to one Knoxville's website, and they actually have the, the roster. But just a couple that like stood out to me, they have this guy, uh, uh, Gabriel Claudio, uh, who played for Union Omaha. And Union Omaha last year actually made a run in the U.S. Open Cup. A lot of soccer fans in, in America may be familiar with the U.S. Open Cup. It's the oldest cup competition in the world. And, and Union Omaha beat... Uh, two MLS sides. So that's the equivalent of like the Tennessee Smokies beating the New York Mets, right. uh, for example. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how hard it is to beat the New York Mets now, but, <laughs> but, you, but you're, you know, Tennessee Smokies are double A ball. So that's third division. Um, yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to parallel it with soccer. And so Union Omaha and uh, went and beat the Chicago Fire and Minnesota United. So that was really big. They've stolen away uh, Jimmy Vichalobos, who was a player, a winger for Chattanooga Red Wolves, which made the final of the USL League One last year. Okay. They've got this Scottish kid, Frank Ross, that they've brought in, who was most recently playing professional soccer in the Netherlands. Like, this is a guy who played pro in Scotland, played in the Netherlands, first division, and is now coming to Knoxville to play pro soccer here. Um, wow. So, you know, the the budget is is fairly large, I imagine. You know, the, the club's ownership group and their GM, Drew McKenna, have not been shy about the fact that they are investing money to make sure trophies come to Knoxville. They know Knoxville, Knoxvillians like winning teams. They've, they've studied the trajectory of, of Tennessee football over the past 20 years, and they want to win. So money. they hate losing teams more, I think, in here, man. Those, those first years I was here was rough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it's prime, prime time to be a sportsman. Yes, prime time, I, I will say that. So you mentioned home games at uh, Regal Soccer Stadium, and eventually, um, you know, the the team will be moving to the downtown multi-use stadium coming uh, near the old city, which I'm excited to talk about on your podcast. But um, briefly, what do you think um, one Knoxville and having a pro soccer team means for, and I mention this because we talk a lot about downtown business on here, but um, one, for the University of Tennessee to have just that many more people coming onto their campus and, and witnessing a sporting event, and eventually... Um, you know, being downtown and having that many more people walking through the old city to go cheer on one Knox. What do you think that does for just the greater community, whether it's the business community, the campus community, the just the downtown community in general? I think it's going to be really impactful for the club one Knoxville to have their games on UT's campus to tap into those UT sports fans where UT sports fans are used to parking in the ag campus and getting on the trolley bus and getting over to Neyland Stadium. They're going to be used to parking the ag campus or right outside Regal Stadium and going to this. And when they promote it, being like, hey, we're at Regal Stadium right off of Neyland Drive. It's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where that is. I'm going. Last year, we went around, had a tour of the city, which was fantastic at all these different high school venues. But it's going to be fantastic to be at Regal Stadium uh, tapping into that UT sports culture and then also kind of the downtown kind of feel where all of these breweries and people uh, congregate to kind of uh, pregame and get excited about the soccer game and then, you know, bus over, Uber over to the Regal Soccer Stadium. I think downtown is going to feed into UT and, and vice versa. That's exciting, too, because I mean, especially with, with that coupled with the, the Saturday or the weekend schedule, right? I mean, I was very excited about one Knox uh, last year, and no matter what happened, there was some reason I couldn't make it to a game, either from work or something going on, or I was traveling out of town for work during the week. And so I, I'm excited about it just being close and being accessible, too. I imagine that's got to be huge uh, this year. Yeah, it, it, it won't 
quite be what you experience in some other soccer cities. Like I, growing up in, in Bayonne, New Jersey, we were close to Harrison, which is where the New York Red Bulls played. And you would go park and you would walk to the stadium. Like you would make the march to the right. stadium. So you would go to the bars and everything afterward and walk. It won't be that yet because we know, you know, Regal Soccer Stadium's off of um, Neal and Drive. But like Patty said, uh, people are used to being bussed over. There's going to be, you know, shuttling set up, I'm sure. That's what happened at Maryville College during the USL2 season over the summer. Uh, I'm sure there will be tons of pre-watch parties happening. The bars will be full. There will be – these games are going to be broadcast. Last year, the broadcast partner for League One was ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this year, YouTube made an announcement that they're going to be broadcasting the games. I don't know if that's going to be in conjunction, so you'll be able to get them on ESPN Plus and YouTube. But I'm sure bars are going to be playing them while right. the stadium's got 3,000-plus people in it. Um, so there's going to be a, a boom. I know I love whenever I'm driving around town. I'll, I'll go park at McKay's, and I'll see, like, a One Knox bumper sticker on a car. Or I'll be driving, and I'll see, like, you know, youth cl- I'll see, like, the Knoxville Reds or, you know, Knox Crush youth club sticker right beside a one Knoxville sticker or now you're going into bars and restaurants and seeing the one Knox flag hanging in them. So I think the energy when we kick off the season against Lexington, uh, against like a a nearby team, a lot of these teams are in the Southeast. Um, People have been talking about bringing back uh, the battle of the beer barrel, uh, (laughs) resuscitating that an Alliance keg maybe. Yeah. uh, So it's, I think there's going to be tons of energy here in a couple of weeks. You know, so the, the not the point of this podcast. The point of this podcast was talk to talk about soccer. But at the at the end of the show, we wanted to be able to answer whether Knoxville is a soccer town. And so um, I know y'all's answer, right? We we kind of already said that at the beginning. But to paint a picture for me, if you could, of what a soccer town looks like, let's say five years from now, if you had to just imagine, you know, uh, the, the team is playing in the downtown stadium at this point. Can you just describe the atmosphere, your vision for what one Knox could be and what a soccer town could look like once this team has a few professional years under its belt? I like to focus on on the kids. You know, I've got two little kids myself. I'm uh, currently trying to raise them to play in the, the World Cups of their respective genders by the time <laughs> they're 18 years old. No pressure. Uh, yeah, none at all. You know, My daughter's had like an Alex Morgan uh, you know, frame picture hanging since before nice. she was born. My son's named Enzo, and you know one of the stars of the World Cup this year, Enzo Fernandez. My son's not named after him, but it's a, it's a nice little thing that they're, they're, they right. happen to have the same name. Um, but I think about the kids, man, and if in five years, I believe... We're going to see people marching to the downtown stadium to watch soccer. We're going to see the the flags. We're going to have local bands recording versions of the supporters' chants, and they're going to be on Spotify for people to listen to. Uh, we're going to see the players, you know, live in downtown and uh, some of those nice condos that are down down there, living in the Sturkey Building, walking down, and people seeing them at coffee and taking selfies with them. But if we have kids that are wearing one Knoxville jerseys that have, you know, Seb Andreessen's name on the back, uh, that have posters on their walls. And they're like, when I grew up, I want to play for one Knoxville. Like that's my dream. You know who I always, I I mentioned this, uh, I used to live in Park Ridge and there was this uh, kid who lived next door to me, um, named Cashton. And I remember Cashton asked me where I worked. He was like seven or eight. And I was like, Oh, I work at UT. And he was like the football team. And I was like, Oh no, I work at the university. He's like, what? Like he, he didn't know that right. it's a university. He That's thought, how I was with, with UNC. Yeah, right? like he, he thought, oh, like UT is a football team and a basketball team. And uh, I think that kids, you know, in five years, you'll be like, oh, wouldn't you rather play for an MLS team or, you know, in England? They're going to be like, what's that? Like, I, 
one Knoxville is my professional team. They're right, right down the yeah. street. And so if we can see that kind of fervor and passion rise up in the, in the next generation, then you know, I, I think right there, soccer town. Thank you all so much for, for, for joining me here on the show. If people want to keep up with you know, the work that you're doing, your, your podcast, what is the best way for them to, to follow along? Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Wherever your podcasts are found, we are there, the Knox Soccer Podcast. And knoxsoccerpodcast.com, you can subscribe there to our newsletter where you will get an update from all our shows. But then also, we have our returning journalist, Carter Moore, who will be covering men's high school soccer throughout the whole entire spring season. So we're really pumped about that. But then you'll get all of the One Knox fever and excitement and covering the whole entire season. So uh, buckle up. Come and join us and buckle up. Awesome. I'm excited for it. And uh, yeah, let's do this again sometime. This was a lot of fun. So I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having us, Ryan. So there it was, my conversation with the folks behind the Knox Soccer Podcast, which I did appear on recently. So be sure to check out the podcast description for a link to that episode and for a link to that show so you can keep up with all the Knox Soccer news. Big thanks to Brian and to Patrick for coming on the Scruffy Stuff and for inviting me to be part of their podcast. And a big thanks to you, the listeners, for sticking with us and always supporting the show. If you'd like to take that support a step further, head on over to knoxnews.com slash subscribe to see the latest offers we have going on to get unlimited access to not just our downtown news, but our Knoxville news and our East Tennessee news, news about politics and government and business and growth and development and education and entertainment and nightlife and restaurants. And I mean, really anything you could possibly want, you're going to have access to. So that's very exciting. Also very exciting is uh, we're going to be back again next week with another great episode, but you might want to keep up with what we got going on in the meantime. So here's a few quick ways you can do that. One, you can give me a follow on Instagram at Scruff. Two, you can join the Urban Knoxville Facebook group, which is a private group that all you have to do is answer a few quick questions. We'll get you in there and get you involved in the downtown discussion where we share stories and other members of the group share what they have going on. And um, it's a really great place just to keep up with the pulse of downtown, as is the Urban Knoxville newsletter, free Urban Knoxville newsletter, I should say, that comes out every Friday. Links to both of those are going to be in the podcast description, but... While you are still listening and still on whatever platform it is that you are listening on, go ahead and hit that like or subscribe button and tell us what you like about the show. Leave us a review and that will also ensure that you get a notification every time a new episode drops, which is very important. Reminder, the Scruffy Stuff is brought to you by KnoxNews.com and we are here every week, including next week, and we're excited to have you back. Do you think you have the answer now? Is Knoxville a soccer town? Is it on its way to becoming a soccer town? I just gave you a whole bunch of ways that you can reach out. So please do that in between this week's episode and next week's episode. And your perspective just might be shared on the next show. So thanks again for listening. And we will be back again next week. Cheers, Knoxville. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.